Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into scripture and see what God has for us today. Good morning, church. Man, I'm telling you what, it has been an incredible morning already in the house of the Lord. I just want to say thanks for being here. Thanks for coming today, even after, for so many of you, the late night. Uh, last night, celebrating the Bravos, which we're going to do again tonight, by the way. Um, but we are excited to be at church. Well, listen, welcome to week number two in a series that we're calling We Are. We're calling it We Are because we realize that there are some fundamental things, some baseline principles that God has bestowed in us, has given us, has called us into that we need to spend some time looking at as the church. Last week we pointed out that over the last year there's been almost 200 people that have jumped into this place, new families, new people, and we want to make sure from time to time that we're on the same field, we're on the same ground, we're moving in the same direction. So for a couple of weeks, we're pulling back and we're looking at this idea of who we are. Last week, we started in the logical place and we looked at who we are in Christ. We looked at what is our identity in him, who is he and who are we because of him. And we said last week that our identity doesn't necessarily rest in our appearance or in our vocation or even in our family structure or where we are, but it rests in the fact that we are the children of God that we are a couple of things, that we're chosen by God. Do you realize that God chose you? He chose you, he called you. But not only that, that you're valuable to God we looked at last week. And you know what, we struggle so much with value. But if we can just realize that we are God's chosen valuable tools, but not only those two, but we are, number three last week is that we're forgiven. But not just a little bit forgiven, we're fully forgiven. Not because we've been, been covered in the blood of Christ, but we've been washed in the blood. He's made us new. And then because of all that, we walked out saying last week that, that we're capable. We are fully capable in Christ. And, and can I just tell you all week this week, my prayer is that message that has just been rolling around in your brains and saturating your hearts. Well, this morning, we're going to take another step in this series we are, and we're going to bring it from the personal, and we're going to look at the, the corporate this morning. And this week, we're going to look at that we are, cumulatively, we are the called out church. We're the called out church. If you got a copy of scripture, go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and we're gonna get there eventually, but we got some ground to lay before we get there. As you're finding that, I'm gonna ask you to do something today that maybe you have never been asked to do this. And I want you to do something. As I'm speaking today in the, the, the 20 to 40-ish minutes that I usually go, I want to challenge you to... I wanna challenge you to rethink something. I wanna challenge you to rethink your relationship with the church. I wanna challenge you to do that. Now, for some of you, that almost sounds blasphemous. You're like, well, no, Matt, I will not do that. But just go with me for a minute. I wanna challenge you to rethink it. And here's why. 
For some of you, for some of you, church has been an absolute integral part of your life. From the time you can remember till today, it has been not only something you do, but something you are, something you're a part of, something you have walked with. And today is gonna be a little bit of a reminder for you. It's gonna be a little bit of an encouragement for you, a kind of a rallying of the people around you. But for some of you, when I mention the word church, I fully realize that word is a supercharged emotional word for you. Because, like we just mentioned, for some of you, you're new to this thing called church. And you're just getting your feet wet. You're trying to figure out what it is. You're trying to look at how it fits into life and what it does for you. But, but for many others of you, you're trying to figure out how to re-enter into it because there was a day that you got burned by it. There was a moment where you felt like it turned its back on you and you kind of, as a result, turned your back on it. And there was a season of your life that had nothing to do with your life, but something happened and now you're beginning to move back in it and trying to figure out what it is. And you were wounded, but you're just now back. And I get that. So I want you to rethink it today. For some of you, there's a, another group that, that you were taught for ages to keep it at arm's length to kind of keep it like in the family, but that person in the family that nobody really likes. You know what I'm saying? Kind of keep it like right there. And then for some of you, you've just been indifferent to the church for a long time. And in fact, you're just probably, if you were to be honest, you're just kind of here to keep somebody off your back. And that's okay. I feel that. I wanna ask all of us this morning, as we walk through this text, as we walk through this idea, to rethink your relationship with the church. Because for some of us, church has just become a really big consumeristic struggle. I mean, think about it. A lot of us, we look at church as nothing but this thing that fulfills my need, that fulfills my want, that is all about my family's preference and all about no responsibility, but just making it a small part of my life. So with all of that being said, the reality is because of all of those groups of people clashing for some reason in our culture, not necessarily here, but other places, there has been a result of a low commitment, low view, an absolute wash of what church is that has led us to a low commitment of church and what it looks like in our lives. You see, when you look at church, I just want to lovingly point something out to us this morning. I think it's because a lot of us have a wrong view of what church is that leads us to this. In fact, I want to start with this principle. Here's my thesis for the morning to sound smart, right? Here's the kind of underlying point for the morning that'll get us started. I want you to write this principle down. I put it in your notes. Number one, God's heart is not for you just to attend church. It's for you to belong and to be the church. God's heart, now this is a big one, all right? God's heart is not just for you to attend church, which some of you are like, whew, if you knew the morning, it was today, right? But no, God's heart is not just for you to attend church, it's for you to belong and be the church. Now, what does that mean? It means this, church is not a spectator sport. It's not. Now, we know some spectator sports, amen? We had a whole day of college football yesterday. We had a whole day of kids football yesterday. We had a whole night of Braves baseball last night. We know what spectator sports look like, but church is not a spectator, uh, not a spectator sport. Why? Because the reality is church is not a location. It's a body. 
Church is not a location. Listen, you're the church. You're the church. And we have a skewed view of this, which causes us to treat it flippantly. Let me do this. Let me go to Matthew 16. And I want to show you what Jesus said about the church. It's the first time that Jesus ever mentioned church, by the way. So we should pay attention to it. Matthew 16, incredibly familiar passage if you've been in church for a long time, but we don't normally use it when talking about the church, but I want to read it to you. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, says this. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they reply, well, some say John the Baptist, other Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered. Of course he did. He always answers, right? Watch this. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who is in heaven. Now that's normally where we kind of stop and where we focus on, but I want you to see the last verse. It goes with the context of where we're going today. Watch this in verse 18. Jesus says this, and I tell you that you are Peter. He looks at Peter and he says, now I tell you that you are Petros. He calls him Petros, which by definition means you are a small little bitty rock. And on this rock, Jesus is pointing at himself at this point. He's like, and on this thing right here, this big foundational rock, watch what he says. Jesus says, I will build my church. I will build my church and watch what happens. And the gates of Hades or hell will not over." comment. Now what's happening in this passage? It's incredible when you think about it in the context of church. Jesus comes up to his boys, the disciples, and he says, hey, who do people say that I am? I need to know. Let's do a little review here. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Give me some feedback. Peter steps up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks back at Peter and he goes, you are correct, Peter. You are correct. And in fact, Peter, you are a small piece, a small rock, a small stone, along with the rest of your boys over here and along with the rest of the people that are my followers. And you guys will pile on top of me as the foundational stone and I will build my church out of people like you representing me as the Messiah. That's the church. That's the church. The church is not a location. The church is a group of people who come together, built on the foundation of Christ, moving in a common direction that say, we are small stones, not built on ourselves, but built on a foundation that will not crack, that will not crumble, that will not fail, that will not wither away, but it is Jesus himself, the rock. That's the church. You see, this foundation can teach you something about church. We've got a skewed view, don't we? Our skewed view says that we just go to church. We go to church. But what did Jesus say? No, 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 Jesus says, you are the church. You are the church. In fact, the word church, just by definition, is the Greek word ekklesia. 
It's the Greek word echo. It's a compound word. You know, that's just two words slammed together to make one. It literally means ek out of and kaleo. That's the two words put together to call. Out of to call. Now, if you remember Latin from the ninth grade, they got their language mixed up. All right, the order is mixed up in Latin and a lot of other language, but we English, we got it right. All right, so when you put it together in our language, it literally says the called out body. The called out body. That is the church. The church is the called out body. Now, follow the, follow the logic. If the church is the called out body, that means... Do we gather here as the church? Yes. Is the church a place called Burn Hickory? Yes. But listen to me, church is less about a place and more about a people. It's less about a place. Now, I love the fact that God has given us a space to be called out, to be trained, to be sent out from this place. Don't get me wrong, God has blessed that and is continuing to bless it. But listen, if you continually see this as a spectator sport, an event that you go to, when you have time, you will never understand what it's like to live as the called out body. As the called out body. You see, we see this all over the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was really good at pointing this out. First Corinthians chapter one, the Apostle Paul starts his whole book with this, watch. He says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Swintheus. Watch what he says, verse two. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all of those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Paul do? Paul described what it looks like to be the church. He says, hey, you are a locally gathered body. You are sanctified. Look at the verse. Those are sanctified. That's just a fancy word. That means you have been set free from your sins. You are called out. You are set free. You are his. And watch this. All the way down to the bottom of the verse. All with those everywhere. What does that mean? We... We as Burn Hickory, we as the called out West Cobb, Paulding people are small rocks built on the large rock that are gathered, that are sanctified, set free, piling up on top of the foundation of Jesus with a common confession and common goal. That's the church. That's the church. And I get it because here's the deal. Most of us, we agree with that sentiment. Nobody here is gonna be like, that's not where the church is, Matt, and leave, right? You're not gonna do that. We agree with that sentiment, but when we see the church as that, it brings a whole different level of commitment and it brings a different level of perspective to us. In fact, this is where it gets a little personal for us because when you read the Bible and when you understand what church is, it is assumed in the New Testament that all believers belong to and assemble in a local body of believers. It is an assumption in scripture. In fact, write this principle down. It's really long, so I just gave you like one word you could fill in, all right? Write this down. There is no such thing in the New Testament, hear me, as a believer that exists in some sort of random, independent, free-floating lifestyle that is not fully active in a local church. It's not there. In fact, I'll challenge you, if you find it this week, send it to me. 
It's not there. Why? Because all believers in the New Testament, that's our goal, right? All believers in the New Testament were assumed to be a part of a local church. That's why there's no command in the New Testament that says, thou shalt be a member of a local church. They didn't have to do that. It was assumed. It was like saying, this is just what you do. To be of the Lord was to be of the church. To be of the church was to be of the Lord. It was all together. Think about just the Bible when we make this proof, right? Revelation chapter two, Revelation chapter three is just written to the what? To the seven churches, right? Think about the letters that Paul wrote. All of the letters in the New Testament are written to either churches or leaders of churches to be presented at churches and passed to other churches. You're, you're feeling the logic here. God said it is the church that is my called out body. In fact, it gets even stronger than that in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Look at this. It says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's talking to pastors, talking to leaders. Watch what he says. He says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he, that's Jesus, bought with his blood. He bought it with his blood. So are you feeling that it's more than an event at this point? Jesus didn't buy an event with his blood. He bought a called out body of believers built on the foundation of something that's not gonna crack or crumble. That's what the church is. Jesus purchased the church. Do you know there's no other club, no other organization, no other institution that can make this claim? No other group on this planet can make the claim that Jesus' blood bought it. But the church. But the church. In fact, let me give you a couple things that the Bible teaches about the church. Number one, we've already been talking about this one. Number one, God speaks to the church. He speaks directly to the church. We, we read some of these passages already out of 1 Corinthians, out of 1 Thessalonians, out of Revelation 2 and 3. We see all those. God speaks directly to the church, but not only that. Secondly, he speaks through the church. He speaks through the church. In other words, it is the church that in a lot of ways is a gathering point for the small rocks to make sure that they are building on the right foundation of who Christ is. The Bible says that the, there are people who are called to present the word, to divide the word, to lead, aka pastors, Bible study leaders, small group leaders. And when we discuss those things together as the church, walk as the church, have worship moments as the the church together and walk through the word together, we are living out the fact that God is speaking through the church. Well, but I can feel the tension. But Matt, when he wrote this, there weren't podcasts. True, point taken. There weren't blogs. There weren't study Bibles. Everybody didn't have a copy of scripture. Matt, we've moved beyond that. The church is just antiquated. I don't need that. No, 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 no. Let me tell you why. You're going to see in a few minutes even more clearly, but let me promise you something. Listen, I am a 100% fan of all those things that I just mentioned. I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to other people's messages that quite frankly are so much better than anything you're gonna get here. I promise you, all right? I love reading stuff. I love commentary. But listen, if you are not actively leaning into a local, consistent body of Christ, you will never find the full counsel of God. And here's why you will always avoid the areas of your life that need it the most. 
You'll do it. I promise you, you'll do it. You'll scroll it. You'll see it. You're like, "Mm -mm, not today. Don't want to go there. Mm, Nope, not going there. But when you plug into the local body, there is something about you sitting, you hearing something being presented where you, I can't tell you how many times this happened. Pastor Matt, that was for me today. God speaks through the church, I promise you. And, and the church is not just about hearing the word, which I want you to see this, number three, the church is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world, why? Because look at this, when God speaks to the church and then God speaks through the church, the natural response of that is you cannot hear the word of God in your heart rightly and it not cause you to act. Not cause you to move. You see, in response to hearing the word of God, the body of Christ is active. It moves. You've got to belong and not just attend to be active in your faith. You see, culture says it like this, right? Hey, just go to church. Just go to church. Come see the show. Come get the message. Come feel good about yourself. Check the box off. In fact, there are incredibly large churches across this world that their only goal for you is to be on their campus sitting in a seat for 45 to 50 minutes a week. Then their 25-minute sermonette, and all it's doing is producing Christianettes. That is all it is, right? That's it, because all they want to do is to be able to check a little box somewhere and say that you've been there. That's not what Christ says. It is to belong, to be active, to be known, and to be a part of a body. That's the church, which by the way, just as you don't see an independent, free-floating New Testament believer in the Bible, you also don't see a New Testament believer in the Bible that's autonomous, that no one knows them in their church. Do you feel where that's going a little bit? Here's what that means. People didn't simply sneak in and out of churches and not be known. They just didn't sneak inside of churches to say that they had been there. They were known by their church. People knew them in their church. Why? Because it's a called out body. And the body knows the body. The body knows where the body is. That's why your brain tells you where your hand is when things happen. That's the picture of the body that it gives us. People, how do you know that, Matt? Well, look at Acts 2, verse 41. Peter's preaching at Pentecost, and watch what it says. Those who accepted this message, they were baptized. About 3,000 of them were added to their number that day. Somebody knew how many people were there. Does that make sense? You ever realize that? That there was a dude somewhere with a big old list that said, hey, you weren't here, but now you're here. Somebody knew. Okay, well, maybe that one's not big. Acts 5, 14, the disciples were healing people, right? They're ministering to people. It says this in verse 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women, they believed in the Lord and watch, they were added to their number. They were added to their number. They knew that there were new people there. They knew that there were new people belonging, coming for counsel, being counted. Why? Because they wanted them to be a part of the body. They wanted them. In fact, I want you to go down, go to Hebrews 13 with me. Hebrews 13, if those didn't make sense, watch this one. Hebrews 13 says this, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, which is really hard to read when you get it. All right. That one took a minute to go, right? All right. Because, watch this, because they watch over you as those 
who must give an account. Do you realize what that does right there? How can pastors, shepherds, church leader give an account for people who just choose to rename anonymous and just casually date the church? It can't happen. It can't, I just don't see it. All of this says biblical minded people cannot remain anonymous, casual or superficial so-called independent Christians and choose to think the power of Christ is gonna rule in their hearts. It's just not going to work. If church is part of the body, I don't see it in scripture. If you find it this week, show it to me please. But I can't find it. But listen to me, this is what culture is trying to sell you. It's trying to sell you a lie that says if you'll just straight up attend every now and then, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Just date it, just when it's convenient, when nothing else has happened, don't put anything else in front of church, no way. Just, just keep your options open. See, this doesn't work, why? Because you are the church. You're the church. You know a question that hit my mind this week and I put it in your notes, it's gonna get me in trouble, but that's okay, it's cool. We're gonna have a tailgate in just a minute, all right? Let me ask you this. Would you wanna be a part of a church that was made up mostly of people with your level of belonging? That was strong right there, isn't it? Or let me ask it like this. Could a church even exist if it was made up of people with your level a belonging. You see, here's the thing. Some of you, you're like, yeah, I would. Because I'm not perfect, but I feel like I'm doing what I can do. And you know what? I feel you in that. You know what? You're part of a group. You're part of the family. You are a member here. This is a big part of your life. You're being cared for. You're being discipled. You're being walked with. You're honoring God. But for some of you, this is way different talking than just slipping in and out when it's convenient so nobody knows you. Do you feel the tension? Do you feel the difference of the cultural church and a biblical church? Listen, God wants more for your family than for you to just be flippant about the church. And I'm not saying it to be harsh. I'm saying it because I know that God wants more for you and he wants to bring you more and Jesus wants you to belong and he wants you to be active in his called out body of Christ. He wants you to be. So with that being said, that's the intro, all right? Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I know we're gonna eat, all right? Let me give you really fast, and I mean it, not like preacher fast, like really fast. Let me give you five foundational truths about the church just so you can have them in a linear list. Because here's what's gonna happen this week. Something is gonna challenge this message in your soul. Something's going to, I promise you it'll happen to you. And I want you to have this to go back to as you're thinking through your relationship with the called out body. These can help you. Number one, remember this, Jesus started the church. Jesus started the church. Listen, it, it was not some old dude sitting in a back room somewhere that said, hey, how can we get them out of bed early on Sunday and ruin their day? No, <laughs> that's not what it is. Jesus started the church. Man didn't dream this thing up. This is a horrible hobby if you think about it. I mean, it is. We ask for your money and your commitment every week, right? It's a horrible hobby. <laughs> Just kidding, but watch this. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said this, I will build my church 
That's his. He started it. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Really, Jesus only started one organization, but for some reason, it's the organization that we put beyond and behind many other organizations. But I can tell you this, it's the only organization that's gonna exist in eternity. This guy's not. And I love him. I screamed my face off last night. I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> but I'm doing it all morning too. Number two, gotta keep going. I said it real fast, I promise. Number two, Jesus loves the church. Jesus started the church, but Jesus loves the church. So Matt, how do we know? Glad you asked. Ephesians 5, 25. Paul says this, husbands, love your wives. That's the most like elbow verse in the whole Bible. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ, watch this, loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Christ do? Jesus loved the church so much he died for the church. Listen to me, Jesus did not die for your sports team. No matter how much you prayed last night that it happened in the night, he did not die for your sports team. He didn't die for your band. He didn't die for your PTA. He didn't die for your company. He didn't die for your club. He didn't die for your sporting activities. Now look, he died for all the people in those things, but he did not die for that. Jesus died for his bride and his bride is the church. It's the church. And listen, here's the thing. You can say whatever you want to about me, right? People do it all the time. It's kind of a hobby for some people, I might add. But listen, you don't talk about that little lady over there, my bride. That's when we're gonna have words. But why are we that flippant when it comes to the church? Because the church is the bride of Christ. Do you see this, right? Do you see how the language matters? We can't be flipping about the church that Jesus loves. I know it's cool and rebellious right now to go, well, look, I, I'm just spiritual. I'm just kind of doing my own thing. I'm just kind of on my own journey. I mean, I love God and I'm just keeping my options open, but I just don't love the church. You cannot say that. You can't claim to love a God that you don't see and love the people that he says that he loves, which leads me to number three. This one's even more controversial because we're already on that train. Here we go, number three. Not actively belonging to a church is proof that something is wrong with you spiritually. Mm. Here's the deal. I, I, I can't, I'm not gonna give you a whole bunch of verses that, that prove that the church is more than some parenthetical organization, but it is. I feel like we've already done that. But listen, to get rid of the church is to get rid of Jesus. To get rid of Jesus is to get rid of the church and listen, you can't have one without the other. And I know there are circumstances where people can't be involved with church. I know that there are health things, there are things going on. But listen, if you're an able-bodied person, you need to be part of a local body of Christ. And not just visiting it, not just casually dating it. Listen, the Bible says this in 1 John 2. It says, these people left our churches. And I'm not talking about, hey, they went down to the one down the road. No, they're gone. They ain't going to church no more. But watch what John says. But they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, man, this gets strong. It proved they didn't belong to us. You're feeling it, aren't you? It's the bride. It's the bride. It shows what's happening in our lives. We're built to do this. So let me say this, all right? Let me say this. For those of you that are visiting today or maybe your second time, just give us a minute, all right? Um, if you go here, if this is your spot, this needs to be your church. 
This needs to be your church. Listen, I, I just, I don't know when it happened, but at some point we got into this groove of feeling like we're church connoisseurs, <laughs> that we want the worship at this one, but the Bible at this one and the group at this one. And maybe on this day, I want the children's ministry at this one and the kids ministry at this one. Listen, that is not biblical. It's not. Why? Because church is not something you attend somewhere you belong. So for those of you that are doing the first Sunday over there and the second Sunday over there and the third Sunday at grandma's and the fourth Sunday, we're so tired from traveling everywhere. We ain't going anywhere. It doesn't matter because nobody knows us. You're not living your part of the body. You're not. And listen, I know I speak for the rest of the pastors in this community because I'm friends with them. Pick a church. Just pick one. I don't care if it's this one. Just pick one. I mean, I do, but you get the point, right? You feel where that is. Pick one. You will not grow how God wants you to grow by church hopping, Piccadilly style churching. It's not gonna work, which leads me to number four. Just review, church is not just a place to attend. It's a place to participate and belong. It's a place to belong. It's a place where you're part of a family. You're finding accountability. You're discipled. You're getting the constant theology and doctrine of a place that you don't get when you're just a spectator at a bunch. You don't have a place that you're planted. You just don't. And I get it. But Matt, churches are dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are one big old dysfunctional family, but it's what we got. And we're covered by grace and our identities in Jesus and we're going to read the Bible and talk about it. And we're going to pray together. And we're going to take care of people. But if that's not you, it's okay. Find somewhere it is. So leads me to number five. Not only is the church important for you, but it holds the power to impact the world and the generations to come. You feel that, right? Church is important to you. We've been on that all day. But it's also the hope of the world. It's also the thing that's going to give eternal rewards generation after generation after generation, which by the way, parents, the level of commitment that you have to the local body of Christ is what your kids are watching. It's what they're watching. So here's the question that we walk out on. What's my response in all of this? What's my response to all of this that we've talked about? Let me give you one sentence. And here's my prayer for you as you redefine your relationship. My response is to plant myself in the local church and belong. To plant and belong. That's it. You think God's highest calling on your life is not for you to go to church. Yes, we made it. No. It's for you to plant and belong. Plant and belong. In fact, a verse hit me this week, Psalm 92. I'm closing with this. I know I've said that like three times, but really am. Psalm 92 verse 12 says this. It says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Now, we don't talk like this a whole lot. When was the last time you used the word flourish? We don't use that word, right? But here's what it means. The word flourish is just a symbol of, of growth and vitality and health. Think of like kudzu in midsummer, right? Then he gives us this example of a palm and a cedar. To these people that it was written to, they knew exactly what this is. A palm, it, man, it withstands the storm. It's evergreen. It never goes wrong. It doesn't matter what happens to it. It's still standing there when everything around it is gone. A cedar, it's strong. And it just, it is a symbol of being pleasant and being useful. 
Both are evergreens, but catch this. Let me keep reading. Who's gonna flourish? The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Catch this, verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord. You caught that, right? They will flourish in the courts of our God. It gets better, watch this. They will still bear fruit in their old age, amen? They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. Watch this. He is my rock. Where did we start this whole morning at? Matthew chapter 16. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Who is gonna flourish? He tells us, right? Those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Planted. Let me ask you something, because here's what I know. Most of us, when we see our lives, we don't think of ourselves as flourishing. We think more isolated, lonely, struggling. What's the offer here? The offer is those that plant in the house of the Lord will flourish. Does that mean that nothing ever goes wrong in your life? No, but it does mean this. When it does go wrong, there is somebody right beside you to pick you up, to replant you, to water you, to put a little fertilizer on you and to make sure you're in a spot that you can grow. That's the church. That's the church. Here's my question. Will you plant? Will you plant? Now, a couple questions. So I know we got a lot of people. Where are you in this? Have you made a decision? Number one, to follow Jesus. That's, that's number one, right? Let's get the order correct. Has there been a time in your life where you have invited Christ into your life, where you've submitted your heart to him and he has forgiven you of your sins, set you free and made you part of his universal church? Has that happened in your life? Or are you just playing the game? I would recommend today be your day. And give your life to Christ. The question I love to ask is what's holding you back from submitting your heart to Jesus right now? What is it? Number two group of people, do you need to join this church? Do you need to join this church? Matt, what does that mean? That is your first step of actively belonging and choosing to flourish as a part of this body. Have you as a believer in Jesus, said, hey, Burn Hickory, I'm here. I want to be known and I want to be part of the family. That's what joining a church looks like. But man, that's so old school. That's so antiquated. Nuh-uh. You signed the line for everything else important in your life. Why not the bride? Do you need to join the church? How do I do that? Well, in just a minute, we're going to sing a song right here. I'll be over here to the side. I'll have other counselors over here to the side. Or you can fire the app up that we talk about literally every Sunday. And you can hit the next steps button and say, hey, I wanna be a member of this church. Somebody will reach back out to you within 24 hours to walk you through what that looks like. Number three, maybe today you are a member here, but you just need to repent for a few minutes and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have insulted your bride with the lack of involvement, the lack of commitment, and the lack of care that I've had. Because can I tell you this? When you do that, it's over, it's done. He sets you on a path for newness in life. Lord Jesus, 
walk with us in these next couple of minutes. And God, I know that there's a whole lot about to happen. But God, I'm just asking you in this moment, God, to guide people's hearts, to come alongside the bride and to plant and flourish. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.